Welcome. You are listening to a broadcast by Barnabas Foundation, your trusted partner for smart and powerful generosity. And here is your host, Reverend Philip Leo, Director of Church Communications. Hey friends, thanks for joining me for our live training event. My name is Philip Leo. I'm Church Communications Director at Barnabas Foundation. It's such a privilege to spend some time with you this morning or this afternoon, depending on, on where you're coming from today. I'm so excited to be able to welcome Megan Pacheco and Cassia Tunnel. They are co-owners of the Better Three Marketing Group, and uh, I've been working with them on a series of uh, videos around stewardship and growing generosity, and this conversation flows out of that work, and I'm really, really excited to have both of you with us. Welcome, Megan and Kasia. Hey, thanks for having us on. Thank you. Good to have you here. Uh, we'll get to our conversation in, in just a moment. I just want to make sure that I share uh, a new resource for our listeners and our, our viewers. Uh, we have a new church site from Barnabas Foundation. It's church.barnabasfoundation.com. And there you will find the full range of all of our resources. We're going to be talking about uh, families that are struggling financially uh, and the spiritual roots of that. But we also recognize that, uh, the, that these families often belong to our church and, um, and that that has an impact on our overall ministry as well. So we have solutions, we have resources, we have tools for you at church.barnabasfoundation.com. And I'm encouraging you to check that out. Also, I want to just make sure that I remind you to take this conversa conversation and share it with a leader at your church, a deacon, a treasurer, uh, somebody who thinks about these things along with you. Share it with them and then circle back with them and have a conversation and say, hey, did you get a chance to listen to that podcast? Did you get a chance to watch that video? And then have that conversation with them and see what comes out of it. And then finally, I just want to mention that uh, we really want to be interactive today in our event. Uh, please use the question and answer button on the bottom of your screen. Ask uh, any questions uh, for Megan and Kasia that you may have, and we'll include them as part of our dialogue. So we'd love to have your participation. I have uh, a lot of conversations with pastors almost, uh, almost every day, but certainly every week I have conversations with pastors. Um, and during these last months of uh, pandemic, uh, there have been particular challenges to churches, of course, that are sort of a, across um, all, many different dimensions of church life, one of them giving. And what I hear from churches consistently is that giving is a real challenge uh, during these months. Uh, last week I had a conversation, or earlier this week I had a conversation with a pastor who just flat out said to me, you know, we have families who are being directly impacted uh, by the economy as a result of, of this pandemic. And this is a global thing. It's not just a, a local thing or even a national thing. This is a global thing. So this is a reality, uh, probably for your church, probably for families at your church. And so it's a really timely question for us to wonder together what financially uh, struggling families need to hear. And we're going to do that from 
a, a more biblically based, theologically based perspective to begin with. Yes, there's uh, the practical side of it, and we'll talk about that as well. Uh, but we want to start by reflecting theologically on what the spiritual roots of financial struggle are. And that's really, again, where um, the conversation that uh, I've had with Megan and Kasha comes out of. We want to get at, uh, um, you know, we, we have the realities of, of wealth, whether it's a lot of wealth or a little bit of wealth, but there's always spiritual underpinnings to that. And uh, uh, one of the interesting uh, points that Megan has made over these last months is uh, sort of used an illustration of a rotting apple core to describe the spiritual dimension for families that are struggling financially one way or the other. So Megan, maybe we can start there. That, uh, maybe you can sort of unpack that uh, illustration or analogy of a rotting apple core for us. Sure, thanks. Uh, first of all, very happy to be with everyone. We can see you, but we hope that somehow this conversation will be edifying and helpful. Um, to you and your congregation. So as Kasha and I started looking at this issue of money, what we think, what we believe, how we uh, behave in regards to finances, God really took us into his word and um, planted us first in Galatians uh, 5, 16 and 17 which says, and I'm sure many of you are familiar with the scripture, it says, so I say, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh craves what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are opposed to each other. And as we looked at Galatians and the struggle between the flesh, which is what our eyes can see, and the spirit and the heart of man, which often is a theme in the scripture, that tells us that that's what God looks at. He looks at the heart of man, the, the inside of man. You know, we kept digging deeper. And then we read in, in Matthew um, chapter 23, when Jesus uh, confronts Pharisees, he tells them, for you are like whitewashed tombs, which outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead people's bones and all uncleanness. He tells them, so you're also outwardly appear righteous to others, but within you, uh, are, but within, you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. And even in First Peter, when Peter talks uh, to women and tells them about the, the, the beauty, he says, you know, don't just adorn yourself from the outside. Don't just put on the gold rings and, and don't braid your hair. Adorn yourself with something that it's much more, that's imperishable. He says, don't let your uh, adorning be external, the braiding of your hair and the uh, putting on of gold jewelry but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of gentle and quiet spirit. So as we kept looking at the scripture, Phil, uh, we really saw a theme emerge. And the theme is, there is the, 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 the world of flesh, what the naked eye can see, and then there's the world of the spirit. And those two worlds constantly battle against one another. And we know that God first looks at the heart of man the spirit, the core of the man. Um, that's where the illustration of the rotting core and the beautiful veneer on the outside came about. 
Uh, and the reason why it's such a great illustration for the financial struggles is because it actually helps us redefine what financial struggles are. You know, often when we, uh, when we hear uh, uh, pastors or, 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 or leaders address financial issues, we often address the beautiful veneer on the outside. Well, you know, you were in debt, let me give you some tips to get you out of that. You don't have enough in savings or in 401k, let me give you some steps to get you to start saving, put you on a plan. So we constantly address the outside, the, the external habits, the symptoms, but we never look beneath the veneer at the core of a man. And uh, uh, that's where the spirit world comes in. That's where the, the, the beliefs and, and, the, uh, and the thoughts about money that we have, the core, um, when it's full of lies, when we base it on lies, uh, starts rotting us from the inside out. And you know, the interesting thing about the, the rotting core, that that's why it's such a perfect illustration, is that the rot does not enter from the outside. It actually begins in the seed of the apple. There's a little fruit fly that plants the rot inside of the seed, and from the inside out, the rod begins to penetrate and eventually, sooner or later, will impact the beautiful veneer. So uh, that's why we believe, uh, uh, Phil, that you know, this illustration really represents uh, not just our behaviors about money, but what are truly our thoughts and beliefs uh, about money. And really, they lead us to our true thoughts and beliefs about God. Yeah, I really like that. Uh, but, you know, because um, the reality is, is that I can have my, my financial house in order. Um, right. I can, I, it, you know, everything in terms of my finances can look picture perfect, but that doesn't uh, translate necessarily into the spiritual roots uh, that go way deep down inside in terms of my character in Christ, how I've been shaped in Christ, how, um, how the Holy Spirit is at work renewing right. me daily from the inside out, because that, um, that's the true standard. And it also is the standard which uh, determines how I approach my wealth, whether mm -hmm. I have a lot of wealth or a little bit of wealth, how I approach it, um, how I understand wealth, how I understand it gets used, um, and my relationship to my wealth as well, right? Yeah, so, you know, you, you can look at the story of the rich man and Lazarus. You know, that's why we talk about redefining uh, struggling financially. You mentioned families who are struggling financially. Struggling financially, again, you know, we look at people who may have uh, issues with debt, who may have not enough saved for 401k, they may not be able to give their kids full right to college, and we think, well, that, that's struggling financially. While we also look at people who you know, maybe set for, you know, long haul, they've got plenty in 401k, they have absolutely no debt, they're debt free. And we think, wow, those folks aren't struggling financially. We're really struggling financially has nothing to do with how much or how little we have. It has everything to do with our thoughts and beliefs and our allegiances uh, uh, to, to money. And it's all from the inside out. You know, the story of Lazarus and the rich man is a beautiful illustration where you've got this poor beggar and the rich man, he, he, he's got all his ducks in, the rich man has all his ducks in a row. The, uh, the Lazarus has been begging his entire life, right? Yet we see Lazarus with a beautiful relationship with the Lord and rich man ends up separated forever from God. You know, how we define 
financially struggling really also matters and where we uh, what's our foundation for defining financially struggling matters yeah i think i think pastorally and just in terms of church leadership i think there's a challenge here for us is uh in terms of how we view people or uh sort of the standard that we sometimes use in terms of wealth and viewing people you know we're we're called in in the church uh, to care for one another and minister to one another according to the standard of Christ and Christ alone. And um, so we have to be careful. And Jesus was too, of course. He was, uh, he was very discerning in terms of he wasn't fooled by necessarily a, um, a together person financially. Jesus always knew there was a, a, a deeper issue. So let's, um, let's try and uh, sort of identify some of these roots. Let's try to dig down a little bit more deeply and name some of the spiritual roots of financial struggle for, for families. And again, we're keeping in mind our, our discussion in terms of how we've talked about this so far. Um, so let's, you know, the, 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 the root of financial struggles really begins with um, lies that we believe. And those lies actually eventually trigger certain fear responses. So it begins with the lie. We embrace the lie and that that lie causes us to have fear responses. For example, uh, a lie that we often embrace is what if I won't have enough, right? Uh, well, we already know in the scripture, God told us, told us in him, we have enough. He is our enough. The light tells us, what if I won't have enough? The fear response is, well, because I'm afraid I'm not going to have enough, I'm going to begin to hoard. Hoarding, for example, is a fear response, right? Yeah. We, uh, because we're hoarding, we're afraid we're not going to have enough, our generosity suffers. We begin to withhold, we begin, you know, we begin to look at giving as just let me check off the box. We may tithe, we may not even tithe, but if we do, it becomes very mechanical. Uh, we check off the box and then Again, our fear response to the lie would be lived is I have to continue keep hoarding. I have to continue keep building bigger barns for myself because ultimately we've convinced ourselves that it's all ours. It's all mine. Yep. And we have uh, refused to believe the truth of God's word that says, God says, the silver and gold is mine. The, the trees of the forest are mine. Deuteronomy, uh, Deuteronomy tells us everything in heavens and earth is yours, O Lord. Right. But because we believe the lie that what if I won't have enough, it triggers all those fear responses that just pull us away from God's truth and ultimately, you know, enslave us to the God of mammon. Yeah, um, another lie. Keep going. Go ahead. No, I, I wanted to respond to that. That's actually, that's actually, um, I've taken different tests in terms of uh, how I relate to wealth and money. And my primary way of, of relating to wealth is through is security that i see wealth as a means to security and so what happens is that i hold on tightly like i feel secure if i have enough right. kind of a thing and so that goes right to my core relationship with with christ you know i'm, I'm gonna uh just keep the pause here a moment i see a questions come in uh and i think i uh this is from chris voss hey chris uh, the question is, is there a good online source for training families in the basic of 
in the basics of good financial stewardship that doesn't cost too much. Let's get to that at the end, but let them forget that one because that's a really, really good one. Uh, we we want to get to that. So Chris, I, uh, I won't forget that one. We'll, we'll get to that. Uh, sorry, Megan, I interrupted you. Keep going. That's We're okay. Talk about the next one. Right. So, you know, another big lie that we often believe is what if God won't provide? No, that's a big lie that, again, uh, many of us, even though we're you know, faithful followers of, of Christ, you know, what if he won't provide? And again, uh, this lie triggers a fear response of us really not trusting that God says who he says he is. I am your God, your Jehovah Jireh, God who provides. Yet, because we have believed the lie that he won't provide, we have removed him from the place he said uh, only for himself. I am your Lord, uh, your God, your provider, right? And now we think it's, it's all on me. I have to be the provider. Therefore, we begin to have fear responses that cause us to compromise. You know, we get into uh, overworking, ignoring our families. Relationships get destroyed in the process. Uh, compromises get made because I've got to provide. We set these standards of how much is enough, and we know it's never enough, right? We begin to compromise little white lies here, a little bit of, you know, slipping on the integrity there. Because again, we have believed the lie that removed God from his rightful play, place of the only provider, true provider that we have. So, you know, I could go on and on, uh, Phil, talking about all sorts of lies that we believe that actually have a trigger fear response right. uh, and take us down the path that we never intended. But yeah. ultimately, all of those lies that we believe, all the fears uh, that are a result of those lies we believe, end up separating us from one another, end up destroying uh, families, end up destroying marriages, end up destroying relationships between sisters and brothers, between neighbors, between friends, and ultimately end up uh, really impacting our relationship with God. And that is really the, the, <laughs> the exactly. biggest problem, the yeah. biggest travesty, right? Exactly. And, uh, you know, as I listen to you, it's like it keeps coming back to that basic trust relationship with our creator and, and our redeemer, right? That it keeps coming back to um, uh, that call to look to our God as our provider, as our redeemer, as our savior. You know, Kasha, uh, let's bring you in on the conversation. You've You've talked a lot about in our in our dialogue about your own journey of uh, dealing with these kinds of fears, the fear of not being able to make it. Maybe uh, you could reflect on our conversation and also uh, on some of your own personal experience uh, related to this. So, my husband and I went through a period in our relationship where money was really uh, tight, and we started living paycheck to paycheck and when it got to the point when we you know didn't know if we're going to have enough to pay um you know our, our our bills to to pay the mortgage to have enough for groceries we started um making financial decisions based on the fears and the lies we believed about money you know i remember um, finding out that my husband has been using a credit card for his day-to-day -day spending um, without being able to um, pay it off. Um, and, you know, that kind of, that was the starting point in our marriage where we started making separate financial decisions. 
Um, one reason is I think because we're trying to protect each other and not bore each other about money. And the second reason um, I think um, is that because we convinced ourselves that um, the decisions that we're making were, you know, were okay. When you take God from its focal point of your marriage and your family life um, and his word um, and believing and in his promises and believing that he is who he says he is and you replace that with money and you replace that with believing lies and anxieties about money um, you start making a lot of compromises and for us the first compromise that we made was that we stopped tithing we um, didn't know how we can continue to tithe and make it financially. So we didn't. And at that point, we didn't have a home church. So we convinced ourselves that because we don't have a home church, it's okay for us not to honor God um, with our first fruits. And I really think that at the root of everything at the root of our financial struggles and at the root of us believing the lies about money um, and making financial decisions based on the, those lies was lack of authentic faith. I remember watching not too long ago a sermon and the pastor said that authentic faith is not merely believing in God, is believing God. So authentic faith is not only believing in God's existence, is actually believing that he is who he says he is. Is that believing that um, you know, his word is the truth, his word is the foundation for our knowledge and for our faith. And when we remove that, and when we put something else in a place of that, um, you start making a lot of poor decisions. And, and that was the beginning for us. That's, um, that's so good uh, to hear that perspective and how it plays out in, in how, how these uh, spiritual theological dynamics play out in real time um, and in, in real lives, right? Because there's really, uh, there's really an impact. It really has a, uh, an effect on day-to-day -day living. So let's, uh, both Megan and Kasha, let's talk about how we need to talk to families who are struggling financially. What are some of the things that they need to hear? So, you know, we really want families to understand that um, the, the main goal um, is to not to have, you know, all your ducks in a row, not to have that, you know, healthy looking uh, a bank account or, or healthy spending habits or healthy saving habits, although those are very important. Really, the main goal here is to um, have a healthy spirit and live a life that gratifies the, the, the spirit, not the desires of, of the flesh. And how, so how do you have a healthy spirit? Well, in order to have a healthy spirit, um, you need to walk in freedom. Uh, you need to um, believe the truth about God and who he is. You need to take the lies about money, uh, you know, that Megan was talking about, and remove those lies from your life and replace them with God's truth. Um, and so some of the truth that, that we know that God revealed um, to us through his word is that in Christ, we already have enough. You know, in Christ, all of our needs um, have been provided for. Um, you know, another truth is that 
God is our provider. You know, he, everything that we have that we think belongs to us actually belongs to God. And he graciously, you know, given this to us. So we have nothing to worry about, you know, and, and for me, the biggest truth that we've embraced as a married couple is that there is true peace and joy of living inside of God's boundaries that, you know, actually embracing those boundaries and understand that they are here to protect us, um, you know, brings just so much joy into your life that uh, no amount of stuff um, can bring, you know, so, so that's really, you know, the foundation for having that, you know, the healthy financial life really starts um, with a healthy spiritual life. You know, Phil, as we were looking uh, at this whole issue of lies and truth, you know, the, the easy, easy response is, well, just exchange the, the lie for the truth. Well, it sounds easy, but it's not because you have to ask yourself, why do we believe the lies in the first place? And the two really obvious reasons we, we landed on is, first of all, we don't embrace the truth because we don't know what the truth is. So either it comes out of our a place of ignorance, uh, we don't know God's word, so we don't know what the truth standards are. Therefore, any lie or half-truths, which actually are probably more dangerous than the full-blown lies, will we'll yeah. embrace. Now, I think the second even more dangerous reason why we embrace the lies about money is because we don't like the truth. So see, <laughs> often uh, we, we talk about boundaries, not about like boundaries. You know, when we say how much is enough, well, it's never enough. Yeah. Uh, you know, God has never promised uh, financial abundance. He did not say, follow me, apply these principles, and therefore you will be financially set. That's not a promise he makes in his word, right? So often because of the flesh and the spirit battling, we do not like what the truth promises us. Therefore, we will hold on to half-truth and lies, convincing ourselves that that's where the happiness and contentment come from. So again, you have to go back to what in your core, what in that upper core do you really believe and what are you willing to embrace and walk, uh, walk in? Yeah. You know, the, uh, uh, the, is it the scripture from, um, is it John uh, about uh, freedom? <clears throat> the truth sets us free. What is the, where, where is the scripture from? Um, I'm really bad at Bible trivia, so don't ask <laughs> Oh, John, you John 8, yeah. 32. And you will know the truth. And the truth will set you free. Yeah. Right? The thing is that lies keep us in bondage. Yes. No matter how much we have. They will always keep us in bondage. The truth will set us free no matter how little we have. See, uh, I really love that. I, you know, the, the words of Jesus uh, keep coming to mind where Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Right. And then I keep hearing uh, his other call, seek first my kingdom, and then right. all things will be added unto you. Added to you, yes, wow. that's right. Yeah. So yes. it's this call to uh, full-hearted kingdom living. It's this call to recognize that, that, yes. that the kingdom belongs to our God and all things belong yes. to our God as well. And, you know, I just wanted to add something to your story, Kasha, because, you know, what I loved about Kasha and Nathan's story is that even in the midst of financial struggles, 
even in the midst of still paying off debt, yeah. still having medical bills that have not been paid off, because they've embraced the truth and decided to walk in the truth, they have become, I mean, generosity has become such a joy to this couple. Yes. Oh, that's cool. You know, they did not wait for, you know, to have all the ducks in a row. Uh, yeah, yeah. They are walking in truth while putting together some of their broken pieces. Right. Because now they walk in freedom and in truth. That's really great perspective. And that's, a, that's another really key takeaway, I think, in terms of pastoral leadership is to remind families, don't wait until you have it all together uh, yeah. to, to live uh, in an open way with open hands and open hearts uh, for Jesus. Um, but, but just start, right? Don't wait yeah. till you have everything uh, all perfect. Um, so I want to just put a reminder out there in terms of uh, Q&As. Uh, if there are others, please put them in. I want to get back to Chris's question about uh, practical uh, online source for training families in the basics of good financial stewardship uh, that doesn't cost too much. So Chris, I have, uh, I, I'm going to give one option. I'll let uh, Megan and Kasia, they can, they can chime in after I share just a reminder that the Christian Reformed Church has a, uh, an arrangement with Crown that with their online uh, financial um, uh, what's it, curriculum, uh, it's called Money Life. And I was, before we uh, got onto this call, I was trying to find a really snappy, easy link for that. And there, there really isn't. If you, if you go on to the, CR, the Christian Reformed Church's website, look up Financial Shalom, and then look on their page for the money life. Otherwise, just uh, reach out to me. And uh, folks at your church can take money life at no charge because of the relationship with the CRCNA. I've gone through that material myself, um, and it's fantastic. I, I appreciate uh, it's really grounded uh, well biblically. Um, all the materials are really first rate, and it's got a lot of re uh, great practical resources. So I've just found it to be a really tremendous resource. Uh, Megan and Kasha, anything else come to mind in terms of practical resources that don't cost a lot of money uh, for families? Um, so, you know, there is another uh, financial ministry compass, Finances God's Way, that has a lot of great um, great resources, both from uh, individual and family perspective, but they also have great uh, uh, resources for uh, folks who are in the marketplace. So they really have embraced uh, the stewardship from the both angles, the the family personal as well as the marketplace and the, the business side. So if someone may be looking at, at that compass uh, would be a great uh, place to look at. Okay. So it's called finances God's way. Compass, compass ministries. Mm -hmm. okay. Compass, like the compass you used to gotcha. track the true north. <laughs> yeah. compass. <laughs> All right. Uh, anything, I think we're going to wrap it up, but anything else on either of your minds you want to share before we, uh, before we finish up here? No, we're just excited we, about this project. And we've we said it all. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I want to thank both of you so much for, for taking the time with me today for this conversation. It's one, of course, uh, that we continually have, but it is just this reminder uh, to hear the call of Christ, to recognize the, the crown of Christ over all things, 
um, and over all of our lives so that we can live with open hearts and open hands uh, in freely given worship to our God. And, and that includes our checkbooks and our pocketbooks and, right. and giving praise to God. So what a, what a joy, what a privilege for us in church leadership to be able to share this message with folks in our church and families who, uh, one way or the other, whether they have a lot or a little, are struggling uh, in their finances because uh, things aren't in line with Christ in the first place. So thanks so much. Um, let me just remind our, our uh, listeners to please share this. We're going to, uh, we'll share, we'll put this in a podcast form. We'll put it in a video form, share it with someone at your church, share it with a leader at your church, and then circle back with them and have a conversation and say, Hey, did you have a chance to watch that? What did you think? Did you have any ideas and, and see what it sparks again, uh, Megan and Kasha, thank you so much. Uh, God bless both of you, and uh, thanks to everyone for joining us, uh, and thanks for uh, checking out our website, church.barnabasfoundation.com. Thanks so much. God bless. Thank you for listening. This audio has been brought to you by Barnabas Foundation. Learn how we can help you experience smart and powerful generosity. Visit us today at www.barnabasfoundation.com.